Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Here you go. Here you go. Imminent is the nothing personal word of the day. Today is Friday, March 17th, 2023. Imminent right now, this second. Are we really going to lose Danny Boy as the owner of the Washington Commanders? Report came out on Pro Football Talk, an article by Mike Florio, that Dan and Tanya Snyder are gone. There's an NFL owners meeting coming March 26th to 29th, and it's possible that the sale of the team will be voted on and announced at that point. And I say, no way. The date's the 17th today. It's St. Paddy's Day. I started, I admit it. I've got green on somewhere. Have a green beer ready to go in 44 minutes and 12 seconds. But there is no way that a sale can possibly happen within a week and we haven't heard a word. When you are selling a team in the National Football League, there are documents. There are loads of documents, inches and inches of documents. My monitor in front of me is on top of 10 inches of documents relating to a sale of a franchise. It's the size of the yellow pages back when there were back pages. We don't even know whether or not Dan Snyder has gotten the $7 billion from Jeff Bezos. Do we know for sure? Could it be Fertitta? Could it be the $6.3 billion bid? We haven't heard a word. The owners have to approve the documents after having approved the bidders, all of which involves a ton of paperwork and a ton of opportunity for leaks. There's no way around the process. There's no question that Danny and Tanya would have enjoyed the possibility of keeping things quiet But the reason why the rumor's out is that people have now reported that Dan and Tanya have not been around the facility and they have moved out of their offices. That's only interesting to me if they ever spend time in their offices. I spend time in my office every day. I had an office that was built at Marlins Park. It had a fish tank in it. We had built-ins, I had baseballs and I had memorabilia and pictures of things I had done and books and all sorts of stuff, giveaways. The office was packed, two desks, some phones, 
the fish tank people would come in and water the fish, whatever the word is, feed the fish once a week. It was a very lovely office. It was about 10 feet away from a private bathroom, which really was just part of the regular bathroom, but I had my own key with a Toto toilet that I purchased as part of construction, true story. I actually had to cut a check for that. When I knew that Derek Jeter was buying the team and he had asked me to stay on as team president, I did not pack my stuff because I was gonna stay on as team president. When the text alert comes that says you're fired, you start packing. And it's pretty easy to pack your stuff, but it's almost impossible to do it without being seen because it involves a lot of boxes after, what was it, five years at Marlins Park, but a total of 16 years in Miami on top of two years in Montreal. That's 18 years worth of crap. You get boxes, you start putting stuff in, you start shredding documents, you start taking stuff that's not yours. No, I'm just kidding. You definitely don't take stuff that's not yours. So you put stuff in boxes, then you get the boxes piled up like you're moving and it's not very subtle. And it doesn't fit in a van, it doesn't fit in Danny Boy's Escalade or even in his stretch rolls limo. You need a moving van. And when the moving van comes, it comes with moving people. You don't get them all to sign NDAs. There is literally no scenario under which they have moved out of their space and no one knows. There is no scenario under which there is a deal being voted on in an owner's meeting that takes place in fewer than 10 days and nobody knows. No matter how secretive the NFL is, this is too big a story. So why is it that we're told that a sale is imminent and sources are out there unnamed that it could happen soon? that Dan and Tanya cleared everything out in advance of the sale. Why would that article come out now? What would be the reason for a source? You've got to look behind the curtain. You've got to ask yourself timing. We are now in the off season of the NFL. We are heading up to the draft. We are heading to training camp and we are heading to the regular season in a very short period of time. The new league year started with the legal tampering last week, and before you know it, it's going to be training camp. It's going to be August. The reason I know that is baseball season's about to start. And when baseball season starts, uh, I don't know if I ever told you this story, but in my office, I had a huge, huge magnetic board where I had every single game on the board of our schedule from April through September. So it was a six month board that I got in Montreal. So it was in French actually. And it was a board where I had to stand on a chair in April in order to put the result of the game. And I would put the attendance, the announced attendance, of course, not the real attendance. And then I'm on top of a chair to do it because I couldn't reach. When you get to May, you're on your tiptoes. June, you can write comfortably. July, you lean down. August, you're really leaning down. September, you sort of have to get on a knee. That's the progress of the year, like the sun rising and falling in the sky. And that is the passage of time that governed my life for 18 years. It goes fast. You go from the chair to the floor in what feels like a New York minute. 
The NFL offseason, which may seem like an eternity to those who gamble on the games, may seem like an eternity for those who play fantasy football, may seem like an eternity for those networks who are buttressed solely by the NFL, but it's not. And the key to an ownership change is that you want to get the new owner in, in time to have some sort of soft landing prior to the start of a season some sort of ability to operate within free agency to figure out what changes they want to make and have those changes made prior to the next season. What's going on now is whatever the commanders are doing, Dan Snyder has got to. Whether he does or not is interesting because of the way he is, but every owner who is selling the team and engaged in the sales process, they are speaking to all of the potential bidders when they are making particular moves. So people have said, why doesn't Dan Snyder give a goodbye F you to the NFL and sign Lamar Jackson for 230 million and $1? The reason is that a buyer of the team would then decrease the amount of the bid by the amount of the contract that they believed was an overpay. You would have to go to the prospective bidders and say, hey, do you want me to sign Lamar Jackson? There are some deals that are signed by prospective buyers and sellers where you have an exclusive period of negotiation and inside that deal, there's a provision that the owner current owner will not do anything to materially impact the operation of the franchise during the exclusive period. The reason why a buyer would want a provision like that is they don't want to think they are buying a team with X and then when they buy the team, all of a sudden it has Y. I thought that we did not have a $230 million guaranteed deal for a contract. I didn't know that we were gonna have a 10 year, $600 million deal with Shohei Otani. I didn't know that you were gonna execute a TV deal or a settlement with Masson. The Nationals who are trying to sell their team in baseball, they're not gonna settle the Masson dispute without speaking to the people who are bidding for their team. No matter what they say about the team being for sale or not for sale, there are bidders for the Nationals. The Angels, same thing. You think Artie Moreno is gonna stand up and sign Shohei Otani, give him $600 million and say to the people who were bidding where he declined their bids because they weren't high enough, even though he claimed, oh, I love the city and I wanna bring a championship to the city. What a bunch of horse hockey. You think he's gonna sign Otani and not talk to people? Absolutely not. You don't even do things on the fringe, even though you're allowed to. So the language that I have agreed to during a sales process is you will not do anything that will have a material impact on the franchise's numbers that have been part of due diligence. Material. You can fight over what material is, but it's a general term, a general legal term, meaning it has significant implications on the financials of your team. There is nothing in there about whether or not you will add a minor league invite to your roster come spring training, whether or not you will sign an offensive lineman to an $800,000 contract. There will be something in there about who is drafted, let's say, if in the NFL, if this is still going on for the NFL draft, there would be a right to communicate about the draft. All of these things exist in these pre-agreement agreements because when you buy a team, you actually do not get to take over the team it's not when you sign the documents, it's when the league approves you. Little known fact there, Normie. 
in sports where you need a three quarters vote to purchase a team. It's called approval. The owners of the commanders, Dan and Tanya Snyder, have an agreement in place with a buyer. You show that to the NFL, they review it, they approve it, and then they say, okay, we will take your buyer to the league for a vote. If that vote is approved, you may then execute your documents. Sometimes you can execute the sale, the purchase sale agreement, but there's a provision that says this agreement will not take in, will not be enforced until approval by NFL owners of three quarters, by MLB owners of three quarters. Sometimes you don't even sign it until you get the approval. But then the NFL is approving the documents as is, as they're shown, and they cannot be changed prior to being signed. So the approval would say, we approve this deal as it is in front of us. So it is a dance, it's a concert dance. That's not what I wanted to say, 4869. It's a tango where you've got a buyer and a seller making moves. Arnold Schwarzenegger, Jamie Lee Curtis. You've got, oh God, you just stepped on my foot. That's a problem, I didn't want you to do that. All right, we're back, we're dancing, we're negotiating. We've got a few things left. We've got the NFL over their shoulders, tapping them. May I break in? Not quite yet, we're not done. When all of this is happening, you're telling me there's no leaks? Come on, I'm not buying it. We got a leak just yesterday that Michael Jordan may be selling the Charlotte Panthers. It's definitely not called the Charlotte Panthers, the Charlotte Hornets. God, is today Friday? It's, it's, I knew I should not have started with St. Patrick's Day yet. I just knew it. I'm being struck down by God because I'm Jewish and I started with the green beer at seven in the morning. Why? Because it's noon in England. Okay, here we go. Ready, Coca? Two, six, nine. Michael Jordan is selling the Charlotte Hornets. Word leaked out that there are two potential buyers, a group led by a minority owner of the Hornets, Gabe Plotkin, and a minority owner of the Hawks, Rick Schnall. I don't care whether it's true or not. The point is that leaked out and they're not close. If the commanders were imminent, like our word of the day, we would know who the winning bid was. So Michael Jordan woke up and do you think he finally said Gnug? Enough in Yiddish. I can't win. I've tried. I'm sick and tired of this. I'd rather take the money and go back to living my life and not take the phone calls that are required when you operate day to day. Do you know how sick and tired Derek Jeter got of going to the office and being bad at it right before he got fired? You think Jordan just felt the same thing? Jordan, who is a minority partner of the Marlins, by the way, so minority that I think gave them maybe like two pair of Air Jordans to become a minority owner. But I think Michael Jordan did what happens with many owners. He had a goal. He achieved that goal. And then he said, wow, this is nothing like I thought it would be. Have you ever had that where you've really wanted something so badly because you picture what it will be like and then you get there and you look around and say, wow, the grass is just as brown over here 
as it looked green from where I was standing on the brown grass. Wouldn't that be strange if the way the sun hits the grass, it's brown on both sides, but you can't see it till you get there? So Michael Jordan takes over a team, realizes it's actually harder to win than he thought, realizes there are no players like Michael Jordan, no matter how many picks you have, no matter who you sign as free agents, no matter who you hire as coaches. He started with friends, moved on to not friends, they became friends, none of it matters. Without a Michael Jordan on your team, you're gonna have a hard time winning. It's a star-driven league even more so than when he played. You get into the team for a couple hundred million, we don't know what his actual investment is, keep that in mind, please. Do not fall under the trap that people who don't listen to nothing personal fall into. You're gonna read that Michael Jordan bought the Charlotte Hornets for 200 million and sold them for 1.7 billion. He made 1.5 billion, don't fall into that trap. Number one, you don't know the total amount of his initial investment. Number two, you don't know the amount of money that he had to put into the team or that he took out of the team in the years that he's operated it in control since 2010. Number three, whenever a purchase price is announced, that is an enterprise value. Please remember this concept. When a purchase price is released, that is not the amount of money that's wired from the buyer to the seller. There are purchase price adjustments. There is debt that has to be paid back. There are taxes that have to be paid. And then you have a number that's wired into the buyer's, the seller's account. So Michael Jordan, since 2010, in a league where you're supposed to make the playoffs, in theory, you can make them every year. Michael Jordan's teams have only made the playoffs twice. You think he's done, had enough? You think that he wanted to win a ring as an owner? For sure. Do you think that he sees a path to a ring? For sure not. Do you think he sees himself turning double nickels? He's older than double nickels now. You think he realizes with young children? Do you think that if your son is dating Scottie Pippen's wife, you look in the mirror and say, wow, what am I doing this for? What do I need this kind of service? I don't want to be aggravated. I don't know that he's saying, I don't want to ever be in Charlotte. I think what he's saying is, I want to be in Charlotte when I want to be in Charlotte. And I don't want to be criticized when I'm not in Charlotte. I don't want to have to go meet sponsors and beg them to put their name on a building or to put their name on the court. But David, owners don't have to do that. He can have his team president do that. When you are an owner of a team, you are involved. You are meddling. There is no such thing as an absentee owner. And when you've got the ability to get out at a valuation that you are concerned about sticking, even though you know over time your team should go up, but what will be required to continue to stay in the game? What will it look like? What is the cost to me personally, both financially, spiritually, physically? You make the decision to sell. I am not surprised in the least that this is Jordan's position. What I am surprised about is that it took so long. So people have been asking on Twitter and Sarah Spain, you did a great job of dealing with this. What happens? How can you own two teams at once? Do you remember when John Henry bought the Red Sox and bought the Marlins that he had a small stake in the Yankees? You may not remember that. He was a limited partner of the Yankees. You have to put that limited partnership up for sale immediately. You have to negotiate what the 
principal owner of that team is going to pay for your limited partnership share because you are not allowed to own two teams at once, even if it's a tiny minority share and then a tiny minority share. Nope. A tiny minority share and a controlling share. Triple nope. But it doesn't mean it has to happen contemporaneously. These guys, this minor league, minor league, funny, this minority owner of the Atlanta Hawks could easily become a majority owner of the Hornets without having sold his stake in the Hawks. However, it will be up for sale. It gets put into a blind trust. You know the thing that presidents do when they become presidents and they put all their assets in a blind trust so that there's no way they can make any decisions that would in any way benefit that which they are doing in the office of the president and that everyone around the president does the same thing in order to make sure that they're not buying or selling stocks with inside information. You know how that's supposed to work? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that really works. That works. It would be like an owner of a team being able to go into a sports book and there's a line of a game that assumes a certain player's playing, you know the player's not playing and you make the bet the other way because it's about to be announced and then there's movement, then you make another bet and then you've got a huge middle going and it's on like Donkey Kong. Yeah, not good. Why was I even talking about that? I have no idea why that just came up to you. Okay. So the sale of the Charlotte Hornets, imminent? The sale of the Washington Commanders, not imminent? We'll wait to see what happens. Wait to see when I tell you something's gonna happen. If it does, great. If it doesn't, great. We are gonna revisit it. You can bet your bippy that I'll let you know when I'm wrong and when I'm right. I'm gonna give you a wait to see on the commander's sale. Whether it gets approved or not during the March 26th meeting is not relevant to this wait to see. I guarantee you that Daniel Snyder will be out of the NFL before the start of next season. And so will Tanya. The commanders will be sold before the start of next season. Book it. All right, we come back. We're going to review a movie that one of you asked me to see. I believe you got into my Instagram at David P. Sampson. It could have been in my Twitter at David P. Sampson. And then I've got a message of hope and love for Mets fans. All of you despondent Mets fans, I am here for you. We'll be right back. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC. Terms and conditions apply. Golazo. It's a 24-hour soccer channel on CBS. I think it may be a fast channel too. Check it out. It's starting, I think, April 1st. Golazo. All right, let me just check to make sure. What are my other CBS responsibilities? Okay, I said Golazo. 
watch the NCAA tournament, check. You did the bracket challenge, check. And, um, oh, no, I don't drive that kind of car. No, so I'm not going to say that or that water. No, no, no. I mean, one day I may, but not this day. Okay, welcome back to Nothing Personal. My name is David Sampson. Thank you. We're live on YouTube. Nothing Personal with David Sampson. I don't know how many subscribers we had because I promised you, I don't know why it's going up so slowly because more of you were watching than subscribing and more of you were listening than subscribing. So please download, subscribe, tell your friends. When we get to 12,000, I'm gonna do a prize, but we should be higher than that, Coca. Do you not have all of your friends subscribing on our YouTube channel? We're live Monday, Wednesday, Friday, but we still do shows Tuesday and Thursday. Eventually, Coca, we gotta go live five days a week. It's too much fun. Cause I'm in danger if I say, uh, no, I'm not gonna say that. All right, give me movie picks. Give me series picks. I watch a movie every day. It's one of my favorite routines and I'm a man of routine. Believe me, a major man of routine. It would be so easy to follow me if I had, if we were like a Truman Show situation, I think it would be tremendous reality TV because you could set the clocks in Greenwich according to when certain things get done during the course of a day. That said, I always watch a movie. So one of you told me to watch Brian and Charles. I'd never heard of Brian and Charles. I looked at David Earl and said, you look sort of familiar, but I don't recall why I know you. But I turned on the movie because you told me to watch it. And I did. And I am the luckier for it. Brian and Charles is about a guy in England named Brian, who is a quirky, strange man indeed, who is an inventor of things that mostly don't work and he's a bit lonely. So he decides to build the real girl. His name is Lars. That's a great movie, by the way. Lars and the Real Girl, if you haven't seen it. No, he didn't build the real girl. He built Charles. Charles is an AI that is made from a washing machine. It's bizarre because he's tall. He's voiced by the co-writer, Chris Hayward. David Earl is someone who you may know as involved in the Ricky Gervais universe in Derek and in Afterlife, two amazing shows by Ricky Gervais if you haven't seen them. David Earl is funny, poignant, emotional, geeky, strange. You're looking at him and saying, would there be any chance for him to have a relationship with anything other than AI? And just when you think that, all of a sudden, there's a relationship that pops up like a weed in a unkempt driveway. What I loved about Brian and Charles is the relationship between Brian and Charles that develops. Charles becomes, has a character arc. The AI actually has a character arc and not like an iRobot character arc. It's actually a meaningful, emotional character arc. If you haven't watched it, which I guarantee you haven't, you're not gonna be sorry if you do. It's called Brian and Charles. So Mets fans woke up yesterday expecting the worst, hoping for the best, which is how many people describe a regular Thursday. I think you should have a different outlook in life. I think you should expect the best and be disappointed when it's anything but. Don't go in pessimistic, glass half empty, 
man, today's going to be a crappy day. I got so much to do. I got errands to do. I've got bills to pay. I've got work to do. Thank God it's Friday. No, go in attacking the day. If you're a Mets fan, I want you to wake up yesterday morning and say, Edwin Diaz is not going to be out for the season. Edwin Diaz is going to be just fine. Our team is going to be great. We have the best owner who spends money. We are not going to be negative about the WBC. We're not going to walk around with negative energy about woe is me, thinking we're cursed. We are going to say our season starts March 30th against the Miami Marlins, and we're going to kick Alcantara's But I totally made up that the Mets and Marlins are opening their season. I have no idea why I did that. Coca, feel free if I'm wrong to completely eliminate that from the show. No problem. Yes, I understand we're live, Matt, but you can still, when you download it, when you do the um, audio part, you can take that out if I got it wrong who the Mets are doing because that would have been funny if I did. And if I did, keep it in. But if not, then do a wash and start here. So if you want to be that person who's positive, the key is to do a PO. A PO is a power off. None of us do a power off because we're all worried we're gonna miss a tweet, we're gonna miss a like, we're gonna miss a dopamine shot. But a power off can become important when you know that something bad's gonna happen, but you wanna let it breathe. You don't wanna engage with it too soon. You knew yesterday that the results of Edwin Diaz's MRI was going to be that he's out for the season. You knew it because I told you the minute it happened. When you tear your patellar tendon or tear your ACL, whatever it is that you do, you're gone. It's a year, it's eight months if it's a day. That's just the reality of the KNEE. But my reaction is not the reaction of someone like a Keith Oberman. Keith, if you're listening and you may deny that you are, I just have a very quick question for you, just out of curiosity. What makes you say the following. First, Freddie Freeman, now Edwin Diaz. The WBC is a meaningless exhibition series designed to get you to buy another uniform, to hell with the real season, split up the teammates based on where their grandmothers got laid. Call it off now. How dare you tweet that? It's the most ridiculous thing I've heard in my life. Do you know how much these players care about the World Baseball Classic? Do you know how much millions of people care? The fans, did you see the looks on the faces of people on the Puerto Rico team, the fans, when they realized what had happened? Also the Mets fans? When you have an opportunity to wear your country across your chest and to win a World Cup or to win a World Baseball Classic. Edwin Diaz himself said it was better than like then game seven of the World Series. I'm not sure what his frame of reference is. It's only what he would imagine it would be. Therefore, when he's pitching Puerto Rico against Dominican elimination game, and he says something, he means it. We crave that type of player caring during the regular season. But for you to in any way impugn the actual patriotic views of these players or the desire they have to wear their country on their uniform, it means you don't know anything. And for everyone who has the take that you want people to get injured so you can feel what it's like because you're a Mets fan, that you're hoping for more injuries, that you're hoping Trout or Otani or somebody else gets injured during the World Baseball Classic so that can be the end of the WBC. 
I say to you, is that the person you are? When I acknowledge from a competitive standpoint that we look at injuries, we look at lack of performance, we look at players who get overpaid and we celebrate overpaid players. We celebrate bad contracts that are done by our competitors when we are competing in the business of winning games. You don't want to see a player get hurt. You want to beat a team. Do you remember the NBA Finals when uh, there were a bunch of injuries? God dang it, Coca. What was the NBA Finals where half the guys were missing and the team lost the finals, but at the end of the day, it didn't matter because 10 years later, it's the team who won the finals. Guess who does remember? The players on the team. Warriors, Raptors, yes. Coca, how did you come up with that? You are not normally like this on a Friday. Normally, you've got one day like already inside the weekend. Remember the Warriors-Raptors when the Raptors won and Clay and Durant were not playing? I don't know if you remember that. That was the one year of Kawhi Leonard. And then you made the mistake of signing Nick Nurse to that contract. Does anyone remember when that happened? And now they've been chasing that feeling ever since? No, just me? Anyway, that came to my head. You want to beat the best, but you want to win more than you want to beat the best. You want to get that title. The Raptors have a title. There's no one can take it away from them. No one goes back and says, oh, guess what? There was no clay, no KD. It doesn't count. The ring is the same. The bonus is the same. The extensions are the same. The max money you get, it's all the same. So yes, Edwin Diaz got the MRI. Yes, he's out for the season. Francisco Lindor came out with a quote. I understand how Mets fans are hurting. But while for so many people, the regular season is what counts, Playing in the WBC means just as much to all of us. He tempered that statement by saying just as much to all of us. What he really wanted to say is that the WBC actually means more to us. But he's got good advisors, he's got good PR people, and he didn't put that in there because then that would subject him to criticism when he takes the field at City Field in just a couple of weeks. It is the dream of every Puerto Rican ball player to wear Puerto Rico's colors and to represent our country. And not only Puerto Ricans, but every player in the WBC considers being here the ultimate honor. You don't wanna believe me. Do you wanna believe Francisco Lindor? Do you wanna look at the other people who are commenting on the ridiculous takes out there about how WBC is going to be canceled, should be canceled, no one cares, it's an exhibition, it's meaningless, people will forget about it five minutes after it's over? quick, who won the gymnastics Olympic gold medal in 1976? Anybody? Anybody? How about 1984? Got it? Women's all around. Nobody? Okay. Guess who does know? The people who won it, who devote their entire lives to trying to win an Olympic medal. You cheer, you're happy. I couldn't remember who won the damn NCAA tournament last year. I couldn't remember before the show today, Coca had to remind me that Princeton upset, upset Virginia. <laughs> I couldn't even remember now. And Furman upset Arizona. Can you, oh no, Furman. <laughs> you are looking live at David Sampson on Nothing Personal. With 12 minutes to go until the weekend, he still couldn't get it right when Coca's yelling at him, I got it. Furman upset Virginia and Princeton upset Arizona. 
Is that right, Coca? Whatever. They'll remember their entire life. Do you get my point? So everyone on the Mets, I would encourage you to do the following. Steve Cohn is not going to take this sitting down. He is going to make whatever additions are necessary during the course of the season to ensure that the Mets are competitive and make it to the postseason so they have an opportunity to win a World Series. It doesn't mean they're the best team in the NL East. It doesn't mean they're guaranteed to even get out of the wild card round. The predictions will come from me prior to March 30th, opening day. But what it does mean is you already know what a great owner you have. Great as defined by you spending money. He's got the 20 million back that he's paying Edwin because insurance is going to pay for it. On top of that, he doesn't even care. So it's not like you have to worry about whether he's going to reallocate the money. He could, that money could fall down the drain and Steve Cohn is going to spend more money to win because he's in his World Series window winning time right now. Is Edwin Diaz the linchpin, the key brick, keystone of winning a World Series? No. Bullpens undergo changes during the course of a season. It is rare. Tell me the last World Series team. Think about this because I haven't. Tell me the last World Series team where the principal closer on day one was the principal closer when the World Series ended. Half the time, it's a starting pitcher. For crying out loud, Kenley Jansen didn't even close when the Dodgers won the World Series and he was the best closer in the world. He was so burnt out and done by the World Series. It was Urias, the same guy who's starting for Mexico, by the way. So everybody keep calm. It's going to be okay. I'll tell you what else is going to be okay. If you have been paying attention to my nothing personal pick of the days, because I am H-O-Triple-T. Do you remember I had the Nuggets minus 20 last night? The real line was minus 13, but I told you they were going to win by 20. Now, some of you got in contact me at David P. Sampson and said, hey, you didn't get the Nuggets pick right. You said it was minus 20 and they won by 19. And I said, hey, the actual line was 13. We won, we're 37 and 36. It took to March 17th to get above 500 this year in picks. 37 and 36, the Nuggets covered. Okay, I was talking about the Nuggets and the reason I knew that was my mortal lock of the day. I want the right to bet Lord Byron. I wanted the right to bet the Denver Nuggets because when your coach calls you out and you're the number one seed and you're playing a crappy team, you are gonna take it out on them. And they did. Unfortunately, one of you corrected me. I don't get everything right. I told you that and I'm happy to correct myself. I said the coach of the Nuggets was Brendan Malone and I was damn close. The coach of the Denver Nuggets is Michael Malone, who's Brendan Malone's son. When I think of Malone, I think Brendan. And to me, Michael Malone looks like my memory of Brendan Malone. So I thought it was actually Brendan Malone thinking, wow, he looks pretty damn good. Turns out it's his son, Michael. Sorry about that. All right, pay attention to these picks of the day because we're going extra. I'm gonna take my 37 and 36 record out for a little walk. And here it goes. Tonight, we've got a quarterfinal game in the World Baseball Classic. We've got Puerto Rico facing Mexico. Puerto Rico's minus 102. They are full of emotion, full of emotion without Edwin Diaz. You're gonna see a jersey of Edwin Diaz hung in the dugout. 
at Marlins Park. And Puerto Rico is going to beat Mexico. Even though it's Urias pitching, don't forget there is a pitch limit. I see Puerto Rico winning that game. I'm also watching the NCAA tournament. Miami has a hell of a day. Miami's playing Drake. Miami's only one and a half point favorites over Drake. Miami is going to make it to the second round. Do not sleep on the Miami Hurricanes basketball team. I mean, of course, I had Arizona playing Virginia in the finals and beating Virginia. So there goes that bracket. How many of you recognize how true or not true that can be? Anybody? Pay attention. Is it even possible for Arizona to have beaten Virginia in the finals? Okay. Puerto Rico over Mexico. Miami, one and a half over Drake. And if you like the NBA, I'm going three sports tonight. The Atlanta Hawks are a point and a half favored over the Warriors. I have been doing very well with taking the Warriors at home and not taking the Warriors on the road. I am very hesitant to put any money behind the Atlanta Hawks because they're as inconsistent as an unpaved road. That said, there's only one thing worse than being an inconsistent team, and that's just being a bad road team. Hawks, one and a half over the Warriors. Miami Hurricanes, one and a half over the Drake Ho-Hos. And PR, Puerto Rico over Mexico. Those are three bets for Friday, but I'm not done. I'm giving you three, two for Saturday too. Ready? USA plays Venezuela. You got to watch that game. Venezuela undefeated in pool play. Miguel Cabrera gets to come home to Marlins Park. It is going to be an absolute insane atmosphere when Mike Trout and Mookie Betts and JT Ramudo comes home as well. Oh my God, it's going to be great. Venezuela is an underdog to the U.S. because everyone's betting the U.S. because everyone's betting with their heart. Venezuela, if you're not paying attention, they're an incredible team. Venezuela over the USA and you're getting plus money. Then we've got the second round. Princeton coming off their huge upset of Furman. They are playing Missouri and they're getting a touchdown from Missouri. One thing about Princeton in the NCAA tournament, they are good in the first round. I'm happy for them. They didn't get there the usual way. The Ivy League actually now has a conference tournament, which they didn't used to have. But suffice it to say, Missouri minus seven over Princeton. That will end Princeton's run as the upset king. Then I want to give you a Sunday bet, if you wouldn't mind. The Sunday bet is going to be a semifinal game in the World Baseball Classic. And the winner of Venezuela USA is playing Cuba. Here's what I want you to do. Don't bet the Sunday game until you know who's playing because it's the winner of Venezuela USA. If Venezuela beats USA, Venezuela will beat Cuba. If USA beats Venezuela, USA will beat Cuba. Therefore, my Sunday wager is either one of the winners of Venezuela USA is going to beat Cuba, period, okay? Those are the nothing personal picks of the day. All right, Coco, we got a few minutes left. Do you want to play some music or do you want to talk about Hal? You know what I want? <laughs> I want to talk to Samson. So you want to talk to Samson. Get into my Twitter, David P. Samson. It's from the movie Half-Baked. It's a quick question. I really like this. David, would you draft Jalen Carter? Well, thanks for asking. Do you know who Jalen Carter is? Jalen Carter is an individual who had a small problem when he was drag racing and the car against which he was racing had people in it who died. 
there was some question as to whether or not Jalen Carter would be charged with the crime. He was. There was some question whether he'd be guilty of a felony. He wasn't. There was some question whether he'd be guilty of a misdemeanor. He wasn't. Let me explain what happened with Jalen Carter and the impact it will have upon his draft. In his draft. When you are charged with the crime, you have an opportunity to plead. You can say, I'm guilty, and then you get sentenced. You can say, I'm not guilty, and you want a jury trial, and you then have to be convicted by a jury of your peers. Or you can do something that is called a no contest plea, nolo contendere, no contest. That means I'm not telling you I did it. I'm not telling you I didn't do it. What I'm telling you is I'm not gonna argue with you when you give me the agreed upon punishment. That is what a no contest plea means. But what the no contest agreement was for Jalen Carter was reckless driving and racing. He pled no contest to a misdemeanor traffic violation. Now, does that mean that it was possible that he was involved in the commission of a felony? Maybe. Does it mean that he was involved in the commission of nothing, not even a violation? Maybe. All we know and all we can use to judge him is what he actually pled to. And what he pled to, period, were two misdemeanor traffic violations, reckless driving and racing. He got 12 months on probation, a $1,000 fine, 80 hours of community service, and a defensive driving class that he has to take. It is critical to understand why individuals would choose that path. They do a risk analysis, a cost-benefit analysis. They work with their lawyers, then they work with the district attorneys, and they come to a place where everybody's comfortable, as comfortable as you can be in a situation like this. He shows up to the combine, doesn't do drills, shows up to workout day, nine pounds overweight, doesn't finish what he started. All of a sudden, people are saying he's going to slide. He's not a top five pick. The reason why I'm drafting Jalen Carter is that I'm going to make sure before I draft him that I am having him examined. I'm going to make sure that he is tested. I'm going to make sure that our psychologist is in touch with him. I'm going to make sure that we're in touch with him, his family, his friends, and I'm going to sit down with him and talk about what happened. Talk about bad decisions that athletes can make. We have spent many, many minutes of this show talking about bad decisions athletes make off the court. You deal with it, and then you try to exact the talent, the maximum talent you can. Are there third rail things that people can do that I would tell you I would not want that player on my team? Of course there are. Whether I'm a president of a team or telling you about nothing personal, there are third rail issues. Everybody has different third rail issues. You may not want to hear it, but that's the fact. All teams, all owners, all people have different third rail issues. It's like being a one issue voter. Tons of one issue voters out there, but everyone has a different one issue. That doesn't mean that I'm wrong and you're right. 
or I'm right and you're wrong. It means some of us look at a blade of grass and it's green. Some of us look at it as though it's brown. That is the very definition of how you can differentiate people and their views and their opinions. Jalen Carter will be drafted into the NFL. And if he is a good player, will have a productive career and God willing, he will understand what he did, understand his actions and never engage in any activity that could lead to the death or even be involved in close to anything involving reckless driving or reckless anything. That is a way to see that I would promise you is going to happen, that Jalen Carter will get drafted and that hopefully he will turn his life around and be productive. I appreciate that question. You can keep them coming. Have a great weekend. That's our show. It's just business. See you Monday. This is nothing personal. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.